0: Welcome to The Muradoff Show. I am Jonathan Mordoff, a leisure property agent at DCL in London. The Mordoff Show is your opportunity to hear about the trends, challenges, and inside stories from some of the leading restaurant, bar, and late night venue operators, as well as landlords who own venues in the hospitality sector. Enjoy the show. I am very honoured to have our guest of honour today, the one and only Steve Locke. For those who don't know him, this is the gentleman that started his journey at TGI Fridays with his sidekicks, uh, both Reese and Lee. And uh, from 1997, when they left after four years of learning all their cocktail skills, they um, decided to set up a group themselves called Be At One. I'm sure we've all been there for a good cocktail or two over the years. They uh, built up a great group. I had the pleasure of meeting all the boys in 2003 when we did our first of many deals together at the Wellington Street B at One. And from then on, we uh, they built up a chain together. And uh, in 2011, they were had a great deal with Piper, the private equity boys, and managed to sell 33% for a great big figure of eight mil. But of course that wasn't enough. They carried on building up the chain till 2018, where they sold out to Stonegate for a stonking 50 mil. Well done to the boys. And um, obviously Steve has had the itch and he started his new chain called Loxbar. First of which is in Covent Garden and we've got him here today. Uh, Steve, very good to see you.
1: Good to see you big boy.
0: What a bloody good journey you've had already! Um, how are we getting on in, in these interesting times?
1: I've had easier years, <laughs> um, that, I, I think it's the same for everybody. But um, yeah, no, it's good. We're still in business. Uh, we're still fighting the good fight. Um, it's not without its challenges, but you know, I think we are we're hanging on in there. So uh, it's just good to be open again, really. That after six months sitting in your garden, however sunny it is, it's quite nice to get back to the day job, be serving some guests, interacting with people and just doing what I've been doing for a lot of years. So from that point of view, we're just quite thankful really that we're still in business and you know, we can, we're allowed to trade. Well, we are for the time being anyway.
0: Yeah, I can see a, a very cool, sexy bar behind you there. Are you- are On you oh, this Q-
1: thing? Are you already at the HQ? <laughs> I am. No, I'm actually at home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um what do we think about this this curfew, this 10 p.m. curfew? I mean, we've had so many challenges already um, to date so far um, since the unfortunate COVID. Um, what do you think about this 10 p.m.? Is the government correct in what they're doing? Do you think it makes sense?
1: Uh, well, in a word, no. That, um, you know, there's a big movement to cancel this curfew. They're, they're, I think the arguments are pretty well stated about why it's not ideal. Um, you know, we we as hospitality professionals, we create a very safe environment, you know, and I think up where we sit today, very uh, low percentage of people who have contracted COVID um, have actually done so within hospitality. And yet we seem to be um, vilified, certainly from the government's perspective, which is unfortunate. Um, that said, yeah, you know, I I don't really have, I need to spend my time just trying to survive. So we just try to adapt our business as best we can right now. And how do we deal with shutting at 10 o'clock so you know this what we've done is we've opened a bit earlier so we are working from three to an aperitivo hour and um, so we try to entice some people into the um into the bar a bit earlier we try to offer them uh, we've expanded our food offering so that people can maybe come and have a bite to eat here rather than going for dinner um and just try to get people to pull their evening forward a little bit really and um get as much you know socializing in by 10 o'clock as opposed to midnight, would it, that it would be for us. So, um, you know, it's not ideal, but I don't think it'll be around forever. Um, and it's just about us just trying to action what's in front of us rather than um, concern ourselves too much with trying to change it because personally, I don't have the time to, uh, to be writing letters to the government. Um, it, it, it's frustrating, but, you know, we I don't have the luxury of doing anything that actually being in here right now just trying to drive some revenue in order to keep ourselves alive
0: yeah i can imagine it must be very tough at the moment um how, how are you coping with like the staff and all the, all these fixed costs you've got
1: well we don't have so many staff anymore i mean before uh, this started we, we had a team of 12 full-timers um and that's gone down to three full-timers um so you know our kitchen we had uh, you know, a number of chefs working which we don't have that anymore um we don't have we have cleaners coming in a couple of days a week but the, you know the team are, are doing those sort of things so we really have taken the business back to its bare bones um we've stripped back every single cost which isn't essential to the business and the experience that the guest is going to have and then we just try to generate as much of our you know as we can with the tightest budget that we can and we just cut our cloth accordingly so you know i've, I've been in this industry for a number of years and i'm I'm enjoying it at the moment, but after this interview, I'm working behind the bar for eight hours. But, you know, it's back to those kind of brass tacks that, you know, we strip away as much cost as possible and we just make sure that we're focusing on and doing what we can to survive.
0: Yeah, gosh, I I mean, I go back to the old days, Um, such a different market. Um, Mm. You know, the old days, you know, nice boozers, nice cocktail bars, there's a pretty straightforward methodology in place. I just think now I feel that we need to be so creative. Um, thankfully with your experience. Uh well, tell us with your experience, how how is that helping you now with such a great track record and being behind the bar from day one to building a huge chain that you did? You know, what skills have you managed to get that's helping you sell through the storm here?
1: Well, I think the, the the thing that that carries us, you know, or that keeps us in the in the best stead is the 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 mistakes and the the tough times in the past, you know, when we you know when we first met. You know, our first bar in Battersea was brilliant, but then our second bar was an absolute disaster, but we managed to basically forget why the first one had been successful, and we went for a site that was too big. Um, we diversified from what we were successful at originally, and suddenly we had a bar that was losing as much money as the first one was, and it took us two and a half years to sell that site, and that was really hard work, but it was, what you really did learn is that kind of resilience. And... To be fair, what we're going through right now is not dissimilar to what we did in Old York Road. And I think why um, why I'm quite pleased right now is that, or not pleased, but pleased of that experience right now is that we have the, um, I know that if you kind of knuckle down, you strip back the costs and you just work your way through it, you will get through it. And I think that's a, some of the experience that comes with, you know, been a bit longer in the tooth, I suppose, that, that you just keep on working the problem. You just keep on battering away at it. I mean, last night we served three people last night. wow! I've got a bar in Covent Garden. I was here for eight hours. I served three people, you know, and that is quite soul destroying, you know, because you get home, you you know, you don't see kids and all that sort of thing, but that's, you know, that's part of it. And I remember having the same feeling in Old York Road all those years ago, but do you know what? We will get through this, you know, and it's, you can either throw in the towel or you can just keep on going again and wait till somebody comes and takes the keys away from you. And in the last business, they never did. And we managed to get through it and we grew a business. which was very, very successful. But it was about that kind of resilience. And I have that now. It, it, you know, that, that's the one thing that my confidence doesn't go is we will get through this because people love the concept. They love the brand. They love what we've created. Um, and sometimes it is soul-destroying when you're tired and, you know, and it's not working. But you will get through it. I mean, you've just got to you know stay at the crease, just keep on doing it, day in, day out, you know, and better days will come.
0: Just graft. You, you meant yeah, you mentioned keys. Um how we get to <laughs> travel. <trouble? laughs> I recall a,
1: no, a yeah, deal, with it.
0: I recall a deal uh we did a few years ago in Great Wimmel Street together.
1: Oh yeah, that one.
0: It, was, it was a turnkey operation, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> it was, it was. Sometimes an agent will phone you and say "I'll like side for you. And uh <laughs> And with this this site, you you phoned up and you said it's great to it's turnkey operation. How long did it take us from actually agreeing that deal and opening the site? Do you remember?
0: Uh, just slightly longer than we anticipated.
1: Eighteen months, John. <laughs> eighteen months. It oh, takes look, you eighteen months to key. Okay. My name's Locke. Yours is never gonna be Locke, is it? If that's your only <laughs> turnkey operation.
0: I, mine'll yeah. always be unlocked. unlocking. Unlocking. Um... Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, we've, um, but we've done a few good deals together, haven't we? That, uh, I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, West End sites that we did—you know—we first, you know, did that deal in Covent Garden. You know, that was uh, one of the best things we did. But similarly, when we opened Covent Garden, that didn't work for 18 months. You know, it was a—you know—we were just around the corner, um, didn't quite have the offering right, um, and it took—you know—18 months of grinding out. And then suddenly, after 18 months, it suddenly popped. And suddenly it started taking off. And by the time we sold the business, it was one of our best sites. But again, that's one of the, sorry, returning to your last question, it's quite funny when you just keep on chipping away at it, chipping away at it. Um, and that situation, not dissimilar similar to this, is you've, you've, you've invested in that site. You're almost have a choice. You can't throw in the town and go away with it because you've already put your money in there. Your money's tied up. You're never going to get your money out of it yeah, unless you work it out and turn it into a profitable site. So guess what? <laughs> today i'm going to work
0: <laughs> happy days and yeah. Well, yeah talking of which how are you getting on with landlords steve
1: well luckily for me i've only got one landlord right now
0: yeah you know,
1: two no. years two years, older 33
0: years that's change very quickly and hopefully a lot more very yeah. soon
1: how, yeah how so, that, so I've, I've got the luxury that you know, my problems are not compounded so many times over. Um, and luckily I do have a good relationship with uh, with our landlord and we have great communication. Um, they're very um, receptive to the situation. They can see where we are. You know, we're very honest. I'm giving them this, our sales weekly, which they're not very impressed with. Um, but it's it's a great two-way conversation that we are, you know, we're working together to get through this. And, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, i'm trying to make covent garden better you know and if it's there are other operators on this road who are not opening up because there's nobody here and it's you can't have the attitude you've got to build it and they will come you, you don't say to a fire "I oh, give me the heat and i'll put the wood in you know you gotta you gotta put the wood on the fire and then and then generate the, the heat that way haven't you and i think too many operators certainly around here are just waiting for you then they open well guess what that ain't gonna happen you know you've gotta give people a reason to come here you know, so us opening here and serving three people on a Monday night, but at least people know they can come here on a Monday night and maybe next week we'll serve four people. And it's about you, you know, what little bit we have got, what we can action today. We give as much attention to that today and we just try and grow that um, so that it, it gets bigger with time. But what we cannot do is just sit here and wait for it to get busy because I don't think that's going to happen unless we put some serious effort into, into driving that.
0: Yeah so I've had a lot of operators that we're dealing with have the same issue and they're just thinking how can we be a bit more creative Um, and I think the magic word at the moment since the 10pm curfew that's come in is this brunch offering and I'm seeing a lot of concepts and brands and operators putting in a new brunch menu so they're trying to get everyone in earlier so rather than late night operation they're bringing in early so from 5pm till 10pm great brunch opportunities enticing everyone and I'm hearing very good things already, which I'm very pleased about. Um, Is that something you've looked into? Was that not really
1: your step? Well, in in the olden days, (laughs) pre-COVID, we did brunch. You know, we were an all-day operation. Um, And the reason we don't now is just because we have have such limited staff. um, We just focus on the most profitable part of the evening, which is, you know, the evening time. So we are trying to trade earlier in the day, but in order to make that step up to do brunch, then we need to invest. Um, more in that daytime. And at the moment we don't quite have the we don't have the cash flow to, to do that. Um, but at the moment we we are generating enough cash flow in order to pay the bills and keep ourselves alive right now. And the question is about survival at the moment. It's not about trying to maximise revenue. It's about getting to a level whereby you can pay your team, um, you can pay your costs. You know, and if we can survive this for another 12, 18, 24 months we'll be all right. And then we can start turning, you know, focusing on profitability. But at the moment, it's just about survival. So yeah, I guess it's about, we're not, we are rettened to take on any other risks or any other expenditure, unless we're pretty confident it's going to generate more revenue. Got you. Interesting. Um, I think we'll just return to your, your question about the landlords. I think what's quite interesting. Um, I mean, it, it, this occurred to me as soon as this all started, that there was going to be a change in the dynamic between the operator and landlord. And I think it will be a change for the better. And it's, you know, I've said to my landlord that, you know, we, we'd be very, very honest and open and, you know, we are not paying the rent that we paid when we first took on this site. And if they can get that rent from somebody else, I will give them the keys quite gladly, but they don't really want the keys because there, there is not that operator who is going to, come and pay that sort of rent. So it's there, I think there's going to be there's a real kind of honesty that needs to flow through this. Um, you know, I think the, the, the landlords who are most pragmatic will be, will the, will be the ones who benefit. Um, but I, what I would say is, I think for operators, if you can get through this, the opportunity is going to be on the other side. Um, you know, when we set up the business, the last business 22 years ago, finding sites like the Lyceum one where we first met, Mm-hmm. You know, we took on that site at 75 grand a year rent uh, set, You know, we've got rent free period, no premium. Those are the good old days. You know, 20 years on, just those deals didn't exist. But they will start to exist again now. So you just as I, you know, I set up a business 22 years ago with my mates. You know, the next superstars of this industry are probably bartending in their bedroom in Grimsby or Aberystwyth or some part of the world that they've not actually fit, you know, really started stretching their their legs yet. But as a young entrepreneur, if you want to set up a business, that will be a great time. It will be a great level. It's gonna open up the market tremendously, but particularly will start looking for the operator who can generate something interesting and can bring something new to their area. rents won't be quite as high as they were. I think landlords will be a bit more forthcoming in terms of contribution because they'll want to have these new vibrant businesses um, coming to, to set up there. Um, are we okay with the noise here? Can you still yeah. hear? Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think what's in, it's important that, the, that, well, not important, but I think the landlords will start to appreciate the operators a lot more and it will open opportunities up. You know, if you are a fledgling business, post-COVID, it's going to be a pretty open game, you know, whereas, you know, a, a year ago when we set up Locks, we got this site, we paid a premium for it, we paid quite a big rent for it, but I was scratching my head as to where, where the second site was going to be, because, you know, I couldn't grow this business in the same way we grew a one 120 years ago, because the market had changed so much, it was so expensive, there was so much competition, there's so many, you know, big brands out there which would just hoover up these sites. Well, that is suddenly that that playing field has been leveled that, you know, if you've got a great bar in Stockport and people love it and you're smashing it out of the water and you've got a real big following there, then guess what? You can open your second site in London, say, or some other, you know, part of the country that a year ago, you wouldn't have been able to, because it will open the whole game up. And I think that would be good for areas that you'll have more dynamic areas. Um, The operators will, they won't just look for the same old tired brand you see in so many yeah, you know, shopping centers and restaurant forecourts now, you'll have a much more diverse, dynamic um, group of individuals opening sites. And that's only going to be good for the industry.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on some great points there. Um, from my position on the agency side at, at davis Copper Line, um, we, we're seeing we've had the best results are when landlords and tenants work together. Um, and we have obviously spent the last six months on an advisory basis making sure we can help do that. Um, and I think the outcome has been very fruitful and I think you've touched on that. Um, I think that it's so key. If, if either side is stubborn at the moment, I think it's, it's pretty detrimental and, and replacing those are not always the easiest thing like you touched on. Um, it's a very different, you know, it's not a different, very, very different playing field now. So I think that's a very, very valid point point. Um, and I don't think we've seen the end of it just yet. I know we've got the, um, the parliamentary vote, I think it's tomorrow, in relation to the curfew, so I think that'll be a very interesting uh, result to see. Um, I hope they realise the damage they're doing to the sector, and the fact that it's such a low level of um, of COVID being transferred. I think it's around three or four percent. So I really hope they realise that. And
1: um, I, I think it's concerning that the government is enacting these um, emergency powers without engaging with Parliament. I mean, it's just not on. The, you know, if you want to do something as traumatic to that with the repercussions, you know, the sort of um, you know, what is the cost in terms of jobs and the and the economy as a whole if you have got to have a conversation about it you know how how can you you know we're, we're six months into this pandemic you know you should be having that conversation with parliament the, the, the fact that they would do those sort of things without i just think is unacceptable and it's well it's good that there's gonna be a vote on this tomorrow there needs to be every step of the way if you're going to do something as as fundamental as that you've got to talk to parliament you know they've got to be greater accountability
0: Just hopping back to to what you mentioned about the brunch concept, and you said, you know, you've got much less staff levels. Um, Obviously, the government introduced the furlough scheme, um, and I think most of the sector were very happy with it, but obviously that runs out at the end of the month, and that finishes, and they've got the new top-up scheme coming out um, going forward. Do you think that's a wise decision? What are your thoughts on the furlough, generally speaking, as a concept?
1: I think the furlough, we use the furlough um in the early stages and i think that because of what had to be brought in six months ago it was that was a good thing that uh, it gave support to businesses in terms of their staff that you didn't you know if you suddenly everyone lost their job at that point that would be absolutely horrendous but six months down the road i'm of the mind that it is the right thing to taper it off we've we've stopped using it um and I, I actually think it's quite clever the way it's been tapered but a business cannot survive with government support like that. That the economy isn't strong enough to support that. You know, if this furlough scheme's cost as much as the NHS, you know, that is not, you know, that's not sustainable. And so I, I think the Chancellor's right to take that that scheme that scheme. Um, for me, I don't, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I come from an entrepreneurial type background. I understand that when businesses don't work, sometimes they come to their end of their life and they need to, they need to end. You know, and I say this based as my family home was repossessed because my father's business failed in the early nineties. You know, when interest rates went to fifteen percent, so I've I've lived that. You know, I've lost. You know, I've lived through living the the, the family home going, but mm. I accept that. And those are the rules of the game. And it's it's not the role of government to support businesses, come what may. That you know, my business here, I am working to keep it. Alive. We've not had a penny from the government, you know, the furlough has gone entirely to the staff um, But we've not had any any support for, for this and this business might well go and I'm I accept that You know that if we need to shut it down Give the keys back to the landlord then so be it, but it's I'm not expecting the government to pay for this business um, And unfortunately, I, then my staff will be made redundant, but then they will go and find other jobs elsewhere and it's I think it's it's dangerous for businesses to to rely on handouts from the government from, from that way. And I think we've had it we've had it pretty good for the last six months, but it's just not sustainable. You know, the, particularly with with the lower tax base. You know, we're not the government's not generating any tax base at the moment. You know, it just can't keep on paying out in, the, in that way. Um, you know, this might be an unconventional view, but I think businesses need to ultimately you know, stand on their own two feet. And if those businesses don't work, then then they need to change into something else. And it's, you know, one of my favourite restaurants close to where I live, the guy opened a shop there, you know, right at right, right, uh, the beginning of the pandemic. So his, his shop became, and then he did a few tables outside. And there's that kind of evolving. And it's, there needs to be that, you know, and it's, you know, the, you know it's a hard thing to say and it's up there. I'm looking at my business now, that I'm fighting to keep it um, alive. But it's my responsibility that it it, it survives or not. And if it doesn't, I'm never going to blame the government for that. You know, I may well blame COVID, but you can't blame a disease, can you? Um, That it's not the responsibility of the government to keep my business alive. That's my responsibility.
0: Yeah, I like that diversity. What I've seen out there, I mean, examples of uh, like Pizza Pilgrims doing a DIY... Pizzas and you had like a dirty martini with right. their cocktail packs they sent at home, which have been a huge success. Uh, and there've been so many more like that. I think that's been I've seen we've seen some really great creative ideas out there just to help, like you mentioned, survive and get through these very challenging times. And I really respect that. I respect your grafting, I respect these, you know, really creative um operators. I've just gone out there and just got on with it. Um you know, and I think we need to see a lot more of that to, to, to continue, because I can't really see any light at the end of the tunnel just yet. Um, no. you know, the government also mentioned six months um, for this 10 o'clock curfew currently. <laughs> I mean, how do we get through that? That's a very long time.
1: It? <laughs> it is a disaster, Johnny, <laughs> I can't tell you. What? <laughs> There's, um,
0: Steve, what do we do?
1: <laughs> uh, well, in, in quieter moments, I like to cry. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't help. Um... It's, it's a, a strange situation. We, we opened up beginning of July and it, we kind of, we, we would get a little bit of traction and kind of a little bit of confidence because people were nervous about coming to town. Then people started coming in and then we started taking some bookings in and then just, it's just kind of coming out of August, which was quite quiet for us because um, we only, only open two days a week at that time. You know, September was going quite well and we started getting some bookings in and then they suddenly limited the number of people from six to, yeah, from 30 to six and literally we had to phone up probably about a dozen different parties which were parties of up to 30 and cancel them all you uh, know that was that was a disaster and so you kind of bounce back from that and then you kind of try to pay you know, get some get some revenue ticking in and you you dust yourself off and a week later <laughs> they're bringing a the tea at 10 pm curfew and it's one of those moments you know you do think wow I don't. I can't take any more on this. This is surely this is the end of the game. But do you know what? You just manage to keep on going and keep on going. There was a there was a great um a few months ago a few years ago. One we got all the bar teams together and each store they brought um their favourite film clip. Um and one of the stores they brought a clip from Rocky four or five and it was um, <laughs> it was Stallone and he was he was kind of berating his son and he said um it was a great line. It was it doesn't matter how hard you get hit. It, 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 what's important is how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward <laughs> and that's <laughs> something kind of i think about quite a few times because you take those knocks and you're like oh, man, really <laughs> um, yeah. and the, but the manager you you manage to survive it and you manage to keep on going you find a way to go forward and i think what you say about these brands like pizza Peak pilgrims they're doing these they're pivoting the business and they're a new way hats off to that that's what it's all about and it's I, you know, I'm sitting here today thinking, right, we've, we've had our numbers reduced to from 30 to six. We've got 10 It can't get any worse than that, can it? <laughs> can it? I bet it can. <laughs> 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 but, it, you know, we're, we're just kind of uh, ready for the next thing now, you know, and it's we're, from our point of view as a team, we just keep on going until, you know, the fear at the moment is a, a London lockdown. We shut down for two weeks. hmm. Yeah. Where I'm sitting right now, that would be absolutely disastrous. Is that going to put us out of business? Maybe. But I tell you what, we're going to fight to see if we can fight our way through it because it'd be two weeks, four weeks. You don't know. But it's, you find a way, don't you? And it's uh, the, the ability to be that resilient, I think, is the key to it. I, I, I read not recently well i gone, sorry, my phone just went blank for a second. I read recently that, you know, how many businesses were set up in uh, recessions. That, you know, I, when I, I left school, I, I started working in a recession. Um, so it's, I think it can often be an opportunity. And then going through what we're going through now, it kind of builds a resilience. And you talk about young people coming to work uh, now as an 18 year old, you think about how restrictive it is right now. But actual fact, I think that's it. That it'll toughen people up, and I think that people will appreciate the opportunities more, you know, when the life does get a little bit bad.
0: Yeah, I think we've we've touched on quite a few different topics today in the sector, and I do think the key word for me, from where I'm sitting, is opportunity. Um, I think this is a once in the lifetime, and with all the struggles that are going on out there, there is just so much opportunity opening up, like you've touched on um, in great detail today. Um, and I think that is the key of what we have to try and focus on so get through what we can and now is the time to look forward and think how can I be the Steve Locke going from that one bar and battery rise to selling the whole group for 50 million quid um down the line which is such a wonderful achievement you know well done to you and the boys um Thank you. so so my question to you is with the word opportunity how how do you see us unlocking that opportunity with what's going on at the moment and and how do we get there how do you get through it how do you get these great deals now, in your opinion?
1: Um, I, th- I think one of the benefits is that the dynamic between the operator and landlord is going to change. Um, and I think some landlords are seeing it <laughs> quicker than others. You know, we are talking to a number of quite big institutional landlords and we're having the sort of conversations I just would i have never had in 22 years of opening bars. So already they are, have a different view to it. And if they're talking to me that way, they're probably talking to other operators. So mm-hmm. I think the opportunity is in the operator being as good as they can, you know? And if you are that bartender who's bartending in their bedroom, you know, in, yeah, in, in Grimsby or somewhere like that, you need to learn your skills and you need to be the best bartender you can be and just learn your business. You know, I've be, been bartending for eight years when we set up our first business. So I've done my 10,000 hours. The important thing is to, to really refine and get the best, um, build the best brand that you can, the, the best offering, um, because that is what landlords are going to want, and I think that is what's going to survive. And I think a lot of a lot of businesses are going to go by the wayside, but they are the weaker brands. That the the stronger brands will survive. Um, so where we sit today, with all the current problems, just focusing on delivering the very best, very, very best product and the strongest brand that you can, brand proposition, because those are the guys that the landlords are going to want to work with and landlords to be a lot more receptive, you know, now than they were before all this. And that is a great opportunity that if you have just opened your first bar in Batsy Rise on a shoestring budget and it's going well, you can look at buying the, uh, finding your bar number two, three, four, five, six. Whereas a year ago, it was a lot more difficult because, you know, you'd find a great site and guess what? One of the other big restaurant companies is gonna steam in there and they'll pay over the odds. for, a, for a premium or pay over the odds in terms of rent and it kind of squashed out a lot of the smaller independent operators um you know i i, I you know, in the latter days a bit one we go and look at sites um and we just wouldn't be able to compete on price in terms of how some of the larger brands you know we want to be there and it just didn't make sense to us and i think a lot of these brands have popped now and they talk about how the um the actual, they were over-rented um Because, and I think private equity-backed businesses have been a big part of this. You want to open these sites, we're opening X number of sites a year. And so they kind of take a hit on overpay in terms of rent. And then it's unsustainable. And We have a little bit of a market downturn or a very big market downturn. And these businesses just pop because the, the deals that were done in the last few years have just not been equitable. They don't really work properly. Whereas now I think landlords are going to have a much more, a broader view of it and it's going to open the door to younger operators or newer businesses um you know turnover rents would be much more accessible you know in the olden days for all of my career it's you take on a um a lease and you're you're agreeing a 15 20 25 year lease you pay your rent quarterly in advance that you know if you miss one payment the next day you're out you know yeah that that whole kind of dynamic is going to change and it's you know we live by those rules and we got by it and we've never lost a sight but it's, I think we were very fortunate and just going forward, there's gonna be a, an opportunity whereby you know, an operator who might be a very talented bartender or chef will be able to open a site and partner with a, a landlord on a, you know, a commission only deal that you give the landlord a, a percentage of your sales or maybe some kind of fixed, a lower fixed term rent. So I just allow these guys to get their, their toe in the door um, and it will just make for a much more interesting Landscape going forward.
0: Steve, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your insights. I want to
1: thank you, Johnny.
0: <laughs> um, you've, you've really touched on some great insights for the sector. Um, thank you so much for sharing your journey. Um, and I hope and look forward to seeing your energies smash through this and uh, build a new chain of locks bars very soon. Uh, we'll have a bigger one, better than be at one, which was great in its time as well and uh, wish you continued success and thank you so much i think the key factors are focus on survival get through it you know look on the hatches and get on with it keep an eye on costs and focus on opportunity thank you steve locke
1: love you towards you johnny see you buddy bye bye <laughs> yeah.
0: thank you for listening to the Morodov show we hope you enjoyed it stay tuned for more episodes